Welcome to this week's episode of the Presbyterian Reformed Churchman. I have a friend, Chuck Murphy, ruling elder. He will tell us where he's from soon. But we've been trying to do this interview for some months now. And uh, Chuck actually, at first he declined my request. And then I pressured him and then he said he'd do it. And now it's still been two months since we our schedules could connect. But I'm really looking forward to this conversation because as we always talk the normal things about being a ruling elder and wanting ruling elder involvement and all that. I, I like to have it around a specific topic. And Chuck is actually a part of a church plant. So he's a ruling elder leaving his church, going to plant another church. And so we're going to learn all about that because as confessional men, we need to be leading the way in planting confessional churches. And so I really look forward to that actually. But Chuck, I want to know a little bit more about you and your our listeners do also. So uh, tell us where you're from. Tell us a little bit about your family and what church uh, you're currently a ruling elder out, even as you're planting another church. Right. So uh, uh, my name is Chuck Murphy. I'm a uh, ruling elder at um, the provisional session uh, for Washtenaw Presbyterian Church in Monroe, Louisiana. Um, I'm from from Louisiana. It's actually from South Louisiana. I love this area. It's 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 become home for me. Tell, okay, so uh, tell me about your family. Tell us a little oh, bit about. So I've been married for uh, twenty years now. Actually, twenty years this year. Um, I've got two wonderful children. I've got a sixteen-year-old daughter and a twelve-year-old son. Uh, one of them. Uh, so they're both brilliant, and uh, they're, they're the joy of my heart. That's awesome. I, I have a fifteen, almost sixteen-year-old son and a thirteen-year-old daughter, and then I have a, another son who's. I guess he's uh, 12 or whatever, but uh, too bad we're not closer together. We could kids could hang out. That's right. <laughs> uh, so I'm always fascinated by you. First of all, you're a fun guy. I, I like interacting with you. We we're in some different groups that we we talk and I've, I've always just been impressed with how knowledgeable you are and informed you are. And here you tell me you're married 20 years. And you've been in the PCA since your your ninety uh, since the late nineties, right? And you're only what forty? Forty five, yeah. Forty five. So you're a couple years older. Forty five here in a few right, minutes. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I don't really give my age out. I'm not quite fifty, but I say I'm fifty. Uh, so man, so when did you come into the PCA? That you you've been in the PCA since nineteen ninety what? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Um, yeah. So I I grew up in the United Methodist Church um, and. You know, I did, I will say is that, you know, I don't remember a day that I, I didn't know and love Jesus, you know. Um, so my parents did a wonderful job of raising me uh, to, to to come to faith. And like I said, I don't remember uh, not knowing and loving Jesus. Uh, but when I got into college, there were places where I'm starting to really dig in and read scripture for myself. And at the same time, another friend of mine, uh, he was, he grew up Southern Baptist and he started attending this Bible study that, uh, was run by a local PCA church and he was encountering the, the doctrines of grace. And he started just pulling me aside and going, all right, Chuck, look at this passage. And he, as he's going and becoming reformed, he is dragging me along with him. <laughs> 
ultimately, though, um, started attending that uh, that PCA church. And how old were you? Uh, I guess I was nineteen, and it was kind of the nineteen and twenty in that time frame where I was transitioning out of the Methodist church and into the uh, PCA. And it was a ex- time of explosive growth for me spiritually at that point. Um, praise God, I uh, did make it through the cage stage without, you know, destroying all of my friendships and relationships. But, uh, yeah, so um, really became attached to that church. And after college, uh, got a job relatively local. Uh, instead of in Ruston, where the college was and where the PCA church was, it was in, in Monroe. Um, it was elected as a deacon actually shortly I was in graduate school at the time was elected a deacon while I was in graduate school Um, so you know this idea of being a single guy dating but a single guy and commuting 35 minutes to church it wasn't a big deal I could still uh, still serve as a deacon and do so uh, pretty well Um, yeah so I didn't know you had your master's degree too. So you are a, uh, a, are you consider yourself a manufacturing engineer, industrial engineer, what? Well, so um, my, my master's, well, all right, I'm sorry, this is going to sound terrible, but my first master's is in mechanical engineering. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> so my bachelor's in physics um, and by the, about my junior year, I kind of figured out that I wasn't didn't want to do physics as a career, so I started doing uh, taking a lot of mechanical engineering electives. Loved that, and then uh, a couple of years ago, I actually went back to school and got my uh, master's in engineering management. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I think that's probably why we got along so well because my background was engineering, um, ma- manufacturing, just like what you know, just like you, and so maybe we think a little alike. Uh, but okay, so as we get into this, you are. You're currently planning a church now, and that's why I wanted to have you on. And that's an interesting thing because you're a ruling elder at a church who's now on a provi- – right? You are a ruling elder at the planting church or the mother church? I guess uh, I'm a, just on the provisional session of the the plant and uh, because I um, transferred my membership to it. So, But, but you were a ruling elder before. You've been – right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that that is, that's interesting. What how that works? So you're not on the. I'm no longer on the the church the session of the church that I left. Um, so I'm I'm in an ecclesiastical weird land. I'm not sure what it looks like. Right. Well, once a ruling elder, always a ruling elder. You're the, on the provisional session under the presbytery or under. Yes. Okay. All right. So you're still considered. So you can't go to general assembly and vote then. Actually, no. Uh, from in fact, I'm being put up on the committee of commissioners for uh, uh, CDM, and uh, my presbytery is actually uh, is nominating me uh, for a permanent committee as well. So we'll see how that how it shakes out on that part. But uh, but yeah, I'll be yeah, on. But what church? The, where's Where's Dominic Aquila when you need him? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Can I phone him up? Does he phone a friend? Right. Phone a friend. Right. This doesn't make sense to me. Wait a minute. I understand how the presbytery could yeah. put you on a committee of commissioners. That makes sense to me. But when you're voting on general assembly, you're saying you're late, you're enabled you're allowed to vote from the floor of GA. I believe so. That's, representing that who? Representing what church? 
Uh, right now, it actually, I think it would be uh, Washita Pres. In fact, that's I think that's what my name tag is going to say is Washita Presbyterian Church. This whole episode might be invalidated. Oh no! <laughs> what we're saying. <laughs> I'm flying by the seat of my pants, brother. This is why well, I, I thought churches had to send their compliment of ruling elders. So I'm not sure how you're you're being sent, but I think it's awesome, and I'm glad I'll see you there. Let's say let's put it that way. If they don't give me the clicker, then uh, then that, that's that's okay. They're, well, it sounds like you will. are you. Uh, did you get a one of the choice rooms at the actual <laughs> facility, or you have to stay? Well, funny story there is that uh, after the. Uh, trouble with hotel rooms last year. I got home from GA and booked a room <laughs> in July of last year. <laughs> I I think I took. I think you're the person I got that advice from, and I did the same thing. Yeah, I did the same. Yeah, I booked. I booked for me and my ruling elders back last summer because of yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, and and everybody that wants to be angry with Chuck and myself for right now because. You think we got your rooms? We didn't get your rooms because we our booking didn't affect the PCA block. We right. we booked outside of the PCA allotted rooms and had to pay extra for it. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, it was like yeah. another ten or twenty dollars a night or something. It was about. It's, I think it was ten dollars a night more. And I actually looked at. Well, do I release the room and try to rebook? And as I said, eh. Uh, well, I, I mean, well that that's what I was. That's what I tried to do. I wasn't going to release it until I rebooked, but I couldn't. Within an hour it was gone. of getting that email, I it was full. Yeah, and so yeah. it is what it is what it is. But I'm looking forward to it. Fiftieth anniversary. It'll be great. It'll be great. This we'll get to hang out again. Okay, yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let, let's get into it a little bit though. So how did you decide? So this church plant is a, is a work of the presbytery, not of the church you're coming from. That's right. Yeah, this okay. is, it's not a dollar plant, as it were. This is a. Uh, practically speaking, it was a scratch plant you know, or a parachute plant is what you'll hear it called sometimes. Um, you know, this is, um, and certainly it's been something that's been on my heart and my prayers for a long, long time. Um, for, well, gosh, uh, almost a little bit more than a decade now that it's been something that's been, I've been praying towards to see a, a new PCA work here in uh, the Monroe area. Um and then I'll start to get a little bit into my personal history here. What had happened uh, back about, I think it was 2004, 2005 timeframe, uh, the Monroe PCA Church, which is Auburn Avenue, uh, uh, pastored by Steve Wilkins, okay. hosted a this pastor's conference. And I actually was in attendance at that conference. I was getting to hear these guys uh, articulate the, quote, federal vision. And hearing some of this stuff, and I'll... I'll be the first one to say is that I was very uh, confused and was starting to wrestle with this stuff. Uh, the pastor at the church in Ruston at the time, uh, he bought into a hook, line, and sinker, uh, was swallowing up all the stuff with a new perspective on Paul. Uh, you know, I can, I remember one sermon that he gave where I think he quoted uh, N.T. Wright probably 18 times, it felt like. But over the next six or so years, I'm watching this controversy explode, uh, not just in the PCA generally, which it did, but also at the, at the presbytery level. And watching that broke my heart. 
I, I mean, I can't put it any other way. I mean, and I still get emotional thinking about what I witnessed. Can, um, can you can you explain to our li- listeners? I mean, I, I don't want to go into yeah a five minute explanation of Federal Vision or New Perspective, but just like in a couple sentences, if it's possible, like what what the issue was if somebody's listening to this and they don't know what you're talking about. So there, there's a whole lot of things I think that you yeah. could talk about. Um, one of the things that you'll hear is this idea of uh, covenant ob- objectivity, for one. Okay, and so the idea would be is that if you're in the visible church, then you could be thought of as elect. Okay, uh, and there's some other things that kind of get uh, pulled in into that as well. Um, there is some. Uh, distortions and if you remember rc sproul's uh, famous speech on the floor of general assembly um he was making a point that this was had to do with justification by faith and one of the things that was getting twisted at times in the federal vision was faith and faithfulness right w- would be kind of blended and confused a bit yeah justification and, by faithfulness almost yeah <laughs> And when the definitions of words get kind of played with, it's really easy to, uh, to take people in. It really is. It, it can really do a number on um, people that are young in the faith or less grounded. 2011, the, uh, the PCA, well, the, excuse me, the Louisiana Presbytery folded. It just, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's no, there's no Louisiana Presbytery anymore, uh, not, not as it was. Um, and so at that time, our church, uh, got folded into the Presbyterian of the Mississippi Valley and having to unpack a lot of crap that I had learned and kind of getting myself back to right. Um, and, you know, along the way, asking myself over and over again, you know, watching this, this mess unfold around me, um, do I want to be a part of this? And so now we're at 25 people in a regular attendance, and this is essentially we're having to go from scratch. Yeah, it's like having a core. If you're familiar with church planning, this is just like you're stripped down, and all you've got left is your core group, and that was it. Um, the only advantage I think we had was we still had a, had a good church building, and the mortgage was paid off. Um, and for the next... Uh, six and a half years or so um, we had a bivocational man that we were able to, to bring on and he is uh, a guy named Bruce Wilson and uh, he to this day he is probably one of my greatest heroes and he steps into the roles at the pastor of this church for for six and a half years or so and it's like every Sunday you know he's going in and doing chest compressions to keep the patient alive and um, in seeing him at work, uh, faithfully week and week, week in, week out, um, teaching the scriptures, teaching the gospel, um, he started breathing life back into that church. And uh, you know, being bivocational, there's a lot of disadvantages with that. I mean, he's got a full time job, you know, so he's not able to really pour himself into. Uh, establishing new connections in the community, bringing, inviting people in, and that kind of thing. And but slowly we started gaining some traction. Um, 
and we were able to get up to about 40 uh, to 50 people on uh, a given Sunday morning. Anyway, a couple years uh, after this pastor had served for so many years, he was basically telling us, look, I'm about to retire, and we're not going to grow any further unless you guys get a full-time pastor. And um, actually, October of last year, we were able to call a full-time pastor. And this all at the same time that I'm moving out as a ruling elder to be a part of this new church plant. And I'm seeing in the, in the, uh, the folks gathered there, I'm seeing probably four new families that I had never seen before. And, um, you know, knowing a place that, you know, you've been pouring your heart into, um, for so long and, and really just praying diligently for and all of a sudden there it is god is god's faithfulness is just being poured out and you're seeing fruit being born so that's all so the day when when you told them of your intention a year ago or however long that you were going to go with this this new church plant was there like resistant to resistance to that? I mean, obviously the, the church had just rebounded. They, they want your family to stay. No doubt. I mean, you have two kids and, and you're, you're kind of at that great family age where you can build around for other families. And now you're going to go leave for another church. Like, how did that, like, how did you sense the Lord's calling in that? And how was that received? Well, honestly, so, um, you know, the Presbytery announced that they were going to be bringing on a, or going to do this plant. And uh, they did announce that like three years ago. Actually, yeah, about three years ago now. And um, I happened to be at that Presbytery meeting. And I'm telling you is that, I mean, so I'm with my, the, 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 our bivocational pastor at the time. I'm sitting there next to him. And he and I were, I was smiling at him because this has been something that I'd honestly been praying for. Even in the midst of serving at this other church, I've been praying to see uh, another work uh, in Monroe. Um, and part of it is just for me is that I really believe in that parish mindset, right? You know, I want to be and, and be able to reach out to the people in that are in my community and it's really, really hard to, to say, Hey, come to church with me. It's only 40 minutes away. Right. Um, so it's perfect. This is going to be in your area. That's what you're yeah, saying. It's going to be my area. Um, you know, so I mean, all this says that, you know, so when, when that time came where we were actually launching, we actually launched, um, Sunday morning worship services instead, not just a Bible study, which we're doing Sunday evening Bible studies. We were launching Sunday morning worship services on Easter of this past year. And I had a long, long talk with uh, the pastor in Ruston and, you know, saying, you know, this is the most painful thing I've been, I've ever prayed for, for a decade. And here it is. And I, I'm, I'll be, you know, as honest with him, I said, I'm terrified of it. And you know, he said, and this is before we were seeing these new families coming in. And he was, he actually 
Toby said, Chuck, you've been praying for this. Have faith that God's going to take care of us like he has for the last decade. God's good. He's going to take care of us. You go and work at this new place. Um, and he, he asked me, he was like, are you seeing fruit in Monroe? Yes. Go to the labor. So what's the team like? What is the core team like for you guys? And what's this? You've, you're almost in it a year now, right? Yeah, so we've had uh, uh, Sunday morning worship services for about a year. Um, our the session you know, is primarily it's, uh, it's the TE here in Monroe and myself that are on the ground, as it were. The other uh, part, members of our provisional session are uh, in other parts of the Presbytery. So uh, we're the two uh, faces of the that that are on the ground here, um, but it's. The support we've gotten from Presbytery has been wonderful. Um, and the community that we uh, we were starting Bible studies and whatnot during right before COVID and then COVID hit. And we went from, uh, you know, just like as far as attendance to, to our little Sunday, Sunday evening Bible studies, we had sometimes 40 people, sometimes more uh, with if you kind of looked at the total number of people that were in and out, it would have been over 50 people. When COVID hit, it stripped all but about 15 or 20 of those away. Hmm. And um, both uh, the TE and myself, we were, it was so discouraging. But at the same time, you know, you, you keep plowing, you keep so why I'm, I'm having trouble with the timeline. I thought you guys, Oh, okay. Cause you only started Sunday services a year Sunday ago. Services and yeah, this Easter. Right. Right. Yeah. But, but you're saying this work has been going on since 2020. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But, but you didn't, just... but you were still worshiping at your church. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. I got you. So there was that transition period where I'm, and actually, in, uh, I'm still on Sunday evenings when uh, we don't have anything here in Monroe. I'll still go and drive to Ruston because it's still it's like it's still family. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so who's who's preaching there every week? There's a TE that's part of this. Yes. Uh, is he Harris. is he considered the church planner? Or he's just supplied. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's the he's church, the church planner. planner. He was the presbytery uh, brought him on as the the, the church planner here. It's Harris. Did Bond. they do? They go through the assessment. Uh, yeah. process so he was through MNA or something uh, yeah yeah so uh, yeah he did the assessment process and uh, I know that he really does regard that highly he, he thinks very well of that process yeah well I I've been impressed with it myself they really do a good job of well assessing the the, the, the man and his family but toward an area and we uh, we just started a work here sometime last week and uh that press term meeting i was in at, at our church here just before this call like oh, wow. i think yeah. he said that uh they have 50 people worshiping there now yeah. i don't think they've gone a sunday morning yet or so so i mean but that's like yeah so it, it's it's exciting you know it's an exciting thing for the presbytery we we've been a while our presbytery has been a while since the last time we planted a church so i'm i'm glad so I, i'm excited for you guys because i know that's and, and to kind of put a little bit of flavor in it, I mean, when we launched on Sunday morning worship services, we had, generally speaking, you know, if you looked at Sunday night, we had probably 25 to 30. And when you make that transition to Sunday morning worship, 
you're going to lose some of those people because, well, their schedule is built around Sunday night. And so, but when we made that transition, we, we probably had right at 25. And here in the last month or so, we've been typically averaging between uh, 40 and 50. Wow. And so just even in this one year's time frame, uh, to see that much growth. Um, in fact, this past yesterday, uh, Harris and I were teaching a, a new members class. And so, um, so yeah. who, who's remember, who's receiving the members, the presbytery, or you're able to receive them. We are, the provisional session is, and, uh, Harris and I have been, uh, allowed to act on behalf of the entire session. Um, to receive the members and so because are you the only member of the session will you and, and Harris that are attending the church? Yes, on, and the others are part of other churches. That's correct. Right. Yeah okay. So one of them one of them is about two hours away and the other two uh, members of our uh, session They're about 45 minutes you know, or or maybe 50 minutes away. Yeah mm. What what sounds why I think this whole thing is awesome is because even in when I was in South Florida and we planted a church, the church that I was at was the mother church for a daughter church. the The problem was there's always there's always a couple problems that in my I'm not a church planner, but in my understanding of the the situation, one is that you 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 have enough. It's not simply attendance, but giving or tithing attendance so that it can be self-sustaining. Right. And then the other thing is, do you have people in the church that can be ruling elders? Cause you need an actual session, you know, right. and what's re just really neat about how you guys are doing it is, well, you're a ruling elder, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you got, you got one of them. I don't know how many, I don't know what the minimum requirement is. Is it three or two or I'm not absolutely. Positive. I've never seen a number. Yeah. I'm never, I know that uh, you have to have a, plurality of elders but i don't right. know if there's anything more than just two but um no and actually one of the things that you know, so i i got to teach uh last night about okay what is it to be presbyterian mm -hmm. what does that mean and uh towards the end of it i basically was telling these people that you know they're in tennis i said look when it when we move to particularize um you will get to vote on your elders and I said, you know, that means that, you know, you will get to vote of you want to keep Harris as your pastor. It means if, if you don't want me as an elder, I'm not an elder. I'm not going to be an elder in this church. And, you know, that, that's okay. I mean, you get, you have the right uh, to choose your elders. And that's, you know, and I, I'm telling these people, and I believe it with all my heart is that, that's important that they get to 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 figure out who they want in their uh, on their session. Yeah, that's empowering too. It's it, it isn't it is a so is that area is, is there other reformed presence in that area OPC ARP any there's an uh, there's an ARP church that is about uh, thirty minutes away and there's a uh, EPC church uh, that's actually in town. And of course, then you have also uh, uh, Steve Wilkins's church as well. Uh, you know, and uh, I don't know if how closely you want to associate with reform, reform faith or not, but uh, yeah. But as as far as a 
real reform presence in this area is not a lot. It's really just not a lot. So, so do you find then, because again, with the church we're planting here in our press area and the one that I uh, experienced with in, in South Florida, when, when you're going into it, I mean, first of all, you want new believers, right? You want converts. Of course, that's, that's what everybody wants. But typically what happens is your core group and you're, you're, you're getting people who have stopped going to church or people that you hope they believe in the vision, you know, they hope yeah. they're not just re but if you're not in a typically reformed area, like you're teaching polity and theology and, you know, sacraments and the whole thing whole from thing. scratch, it's very hard to, to get again, to even be able to develop an elder if they're, you know, if, especially if they're not coming, you know, the infant baptism might be an issue, how That's they right. view, you know, all those different things. Are you facing those kinds of? Um, believe it or not, I mean, so one of the things we talked about with that, with actually, like I said yesterday, teaching this class is that, you know, Harris uh, gave a very quick run through of this is what we're going to this is the, the basic content of the faith that we're going to be addressing. Um, you know, gave that, uh, you know, we're, we're sinners. Um, and it is God's sovereign action that uh, brings us into relationship with him. Um, but we've been very, uh, I'll say he has been very intentional and I have been as well is that, um, I'm, using, I'm borrowing a phrase that Harris uses that we are theology driven, not method driven. Mm -hmm. um, and the last thing that we want people to feel like is that we did a bait and switch on them, right? You know, we, we, we get them in there with uh, pizzazz and, and then we go, oh, and by the way, here, let me just sneak in what we believe. No, it, it's, um, we're upfront about it. But at the same time, um, and Harrison and I are both. I mean, we're. I'm. I'm, I'm a very strongly con, uh, confessional person, uh, and I think he, you know, our interactions that uh, would probably give credence to that. Uh, Harris is as well, and but at the same time, we're not white knuckled about our, our the confessions, right? We're not holding them so tightly that the only thing we can do with them is bludgeon other people. But rather, we open up and say, look, you know. Come and see, examine these things for yourself. And you open yourself up to establish relationships. Um, and you know, there's this old trope that uh, you'll occasionally hear. People don't uh, care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. And rea the reality is very, very much in line with that. If you love people, if you get in their life and you just love them and show them Jesus. Uh, I mean, there, they, there's going to be times when there's disagreements that are going to come up, but they will trust you because they know at the end of the day, you're giving, you're bringing them to Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, what, what I found in, in my context, and, and this is an established church, we're 75 years old, but when, when we get new people, it's theology they're they're not used to hearing it's it's a gospel they're not used to hearing and they just love that it's rooted in 
yeah. in the standards, and they're coming from churches that don't even – they've never heard Westminster Confession of Faith. But they know when they hear from George, they know they're hearing the Bible as the standards has interpreted it. Right. And that that is comforting to people that it's not it, – you know, it's not – uh, spiritual mismanagement it's not spiritual abuse it's not they might not like what i just said but they know that it's not george's opinion you know i i i, yeah. I just don't give my opinions up there and uh it, it is comforting to people it is it, yeah and the thing is that a lot of times you know so a lot of the people that we have in our church um some of them were de-churched uh some were um that's great praise god yeah, I mean, you know, so we've got people from all kinds of different backgrounds, and it's wonderful. And so, no, we, we, we're very much aware that uh, people have different starting places with us. And, but they, you know, they, as you kind of said, they know what they're going to hear. And we always, always, always point them back and say, look, you know, let's, if there's a controversial topic that comes up, and it hadn't been... Uh, a real big occurrence, but if there's a controversial topic, we come up to and say, well, let's look at it together. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for example, baptism, infant baptism, if someone's saying, well, I don't get it. Well, let's explore it together. Let, and I'll, if, if they can come away with it and say, well, I don't necessarily agree with Chuck, but I can at least, I at least know why he is saying what he's saying. And I see where he's coming from in the Bible to say these things, to believe these things, to teach these things. And there's a place that we just have to be comfortable and say, you know what? I'm going to let the spirit do his work. I'm going to let the spirit take over from here. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. And, and even when I was saying about like, they know that George is going to preach the Bible through like yeah. that, like the only the reason I'm saying that is not because I'm like tooting my own horn. It's because that's what they tell me. They've multiple different people have told we, we know what we're going to get with you, you know? Right. And what's so cool is we, we have a, a, a couple here that is uh, the husband's not, doesn't have any kind of church background. The, the wife had a little bit and they're really on fire, but they don't, they don't really know theology and, and they're learning yeah. And yet the way they're learning is, is, I mean, my gosh, there's so much on the internet, right? So who, who do you, who do you know who to listen to or not? Who do you trust? Right. And so whenever they want to meet with you, I'm like, yeah, come on the office, let's talk. And, uh, they don't always agree with what I say, but like, it's not like they're upset about it. It's like, they know where I'm getting it from and they're just trying to process it. And I love what you just said. That's right. We, we, we give it to them and then it's up to the Holy spirit, you know? And, uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch, man. I love it. I, lo I love watching them develop and seeing how the Lord sanctifies them and grows their faith and how they've understood things that I've said in sermons that people that have sat there sitting in the pews for 30 years miss. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's also, and this is something that um, we're very intentional about is that we're, this is, we're going to, we're, planting an ordinary means of grace church and we're we're upfront about it it's, you know in some respects it is the most boring and wonderful thing that you could possibly do you know it's 
the preaching of the word, the prayers, you know, the the sacraments. We're not doing anything special. We're not throwing glitter from the ceilings and you know, you know, or any of these other spectacular things. Smoke machines. You always, whenever you have, say, a list that you add the smoke machines. Yeah, the smoke machines with the with the glitter uh, to to make sure that you know that it's the Holy Spirit that's coming, right? Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, but you know, but then we get into um, each other's homes uh, for uh, roughly six months. I mean, every other week, I'd have all the uh, a study in my home or going through a book. Um, it's now switched off to another guy's home, but all the ladies are meeting up at my house, uh, every, uh, every other Wednesday, um, being hospitable. God uses those ordinary things to do miracles. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And no, that's great. So what's the, uh, what, what's the, t- what's y'all's timeline? Are you funded? I mean, well, so, uh, we're still dependent probably, uh, more than I think we're probably about one third self sufficient right now as far as funding. Um, but as far so as one, you know, one third's coming from the people attending, and the other right. two thirds are from churches and donors that's outside right. yeah. the church. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but you know, with the growth that we've been seeing over the last uh, couple of months, I'm actually anticipating that we may be able to be uh, moving more towards. You know, maybe seventy-five, even one hundred percent, possibly by the end of the year. That's that would be my prayer, my hope. That's amazing because um, that's you're, you'd have to triple what you're doing right now. Yeah, but okay. at the same time, a lot of these people that are just coming on, they're probably not giving yet, and that's uh, you know. But um, you know, they're still at that point of, uh, do I push my chips in yet? Right. So just right. so to speak. Right, right, right. But I've yeah, been well, re- that, yeah. You know, I I've often heard. The old model was like a three-year startup for church plants, and what they're finding is, particularly in cities, I don't know what your context is, I don't know that area at all, but like they're having to extend that out, both for the reasons of the they just don't have the financial uh, ability to support themselves, but also because they don't have the theological background among the people, so they don't they don't have the ruling elders yet. But it sounds like you may be on your way quicker than that. Right. I mean, you know, as the plant started three years ago, um, and I would think that we're probably going to be on that five-year plan, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's that was actually kind of what aligned with what uh, was kind of presented to the Presbytery, was that, you know, that it would be launched, you know, in, in self-sufficient probably in five years. Um and that, you know, COVID certainly, I mean, it kneecapped us hard, right? You know, all of a sudden we went from, um, you know, a, a good size gathering and all of a sudden it gets stripped away, um, which I think that was also um, kind of looking back. I do think that was God working even in the midst of that to, one, test us a little bit, but also, you know, establish the right community mm-hmm. and the right atmosphere for that community. Um, I've had people, you know, so for example, this class last night, um, one of the couples, they had three children, but they were, you know, but another couple in the church, they said, we'll keep your kids while you go to the, this class. 
you know? And, you know, after the class was all done, they brought the kids up and I turned to this particular lady and said, I want to thank you so much for, um, for taking care of their, their kids while they were here. And she's like, they're family. You know, of, That's awesome. of course we did this. We're, they're family. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we've gotten, um, that we've had the privilege of seeing God do that kind of building, that kind of community. Uh, and it, it's a tremendous, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so how, how old's your, the pastor, the TE? Uh, he's actually, uh, I think what, 46, I think okay. so. So right around your age. Yeah. Is he, he has a family. Yes, he does. He has uh, okay. three kids. Um, I was trying to think. I think the youngest is in second or so grade, and then uh, the oldest, I think, is sixth grade. Okay, that's great. So you guys, you got the, you got all the way from elementary to high school with the two of you, your families. I mean, that's what families want to see. Families, you know, it's always hard to get the first couple. Well, and I, I have the uh, the joy and privilege of uh, picking up some little babies and uh, toting them around uh, on Sunday mornings uh, you know, before <laughs> worship. Great. It's the best thing. Yeah, yeah. So what encouragement would you have for Ari's hearing this? And let me just, again, in my context, I've been in two PCA churches. Yeah. I was. Uh, I started off as a a member of the church I would actually eventually get ordained in. And... The hard thing about like we wanted to plant a church, the one the one in South Florida, because we had a lot of members coming from this area that was uh, probably twenty miles away. Wow, yeah. And in South Florida traffic, that's a that's a long haul. It's a half hour at least, maybe maybe forty minutes. And and they just did not want us to plant a church in their area because they just loved our church. And so it's like, come on, we could we could multiply. You know, yeah. and and here at Meadowview, where I'm at now, even though we haven't had the conversations since I've been here, but uh, about maybe five years before I got here, so maybe ten years ago, they were looking at planning a church, a PCA church in the city south of us, which is twice the size of our town, and no PCA churches down there. And the same thing, where all these people were coming up from that area, and they just did not want to plant a church there. Not the not the session, but the people that live there because they loved yeah. our church. And so what, what ends up happening is when you find a church and you love a church, it's very hard to leave it to go be on a core team. Right. And what I know is church planters don't just need a bunch of disgruntled people leaving their churches and saying and thinking that the church plant is going to solve their disgruntled thing. No, you're absolutely right. The baggage you 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 take out of the other church, you're bringing with you to the new yeah. one, right? Um, right. And so, and and what that means though is the people who who love their church, even though it makes it re- it would really make sense for them, and the Lord could really, again, we know God doesn't need any of us, but He uses us really use them because of the circumstances and everything else. They just don't want to leave, <laughs> you know. I think one of the things, and this, I'm taking a little bit of a note from something Harris said in our new members class is that we're uh, the phrase that he uses is that we're planting pregnant. And that is what we, what we are envisioning for our church is that 10 years from now, we want to see another plant in this area. 
And I would encourage, you know, for those of you that are in established churches, always think of yourselves as pregnant. Mm. Always. That doesn't mean that you've got to, you know, do everything, you know, like your church doesn't necessarily need to go fly solo and plant a daughter church. But it does mean that we need to have a mentality that is saying that God's sheep are out there. God's people are out there. The statistics in America right now, even if you're in the buckle of the Bible belt, the statistics say that on a given Sunday, no more than about 20% of the people are going to be in a church pew. Mm. Right? And of the people who are not, you know, the, of that 80%, you might have another 20% that are the Christmas Easter Christians, right? That they'll... So there is... There are 60% or more people that have not gotten to hear the good news of Jesus Christ on a daily day, uh, on a weekly basis. They're not a part of that. And of those people that are attending Christmas and Easter, how many of those people are not hearing the good news of Jesus Christ preached to them faithfully, even on those two Sundays a year that they do attend? The fields are in, I mean, the phrase that Jesus gives us. The fields are white for harvest. Yeah. Um, I love your heart, man. I, lo- I love your passion. I love your, because it's not just about you're going to get a church in your in your area so you don't have to drive 40 minutes. It's You want to see the, the, the Great Commission in action. You want to see people come to Christ. You want to see changed lives. And we know that we have the answer. His name is Jesus and we get to serve him up every week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, what better thing is there than the, what we have is a privilege to, 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 for what is, we're, we, we don't say it's about us. You know, how much of a burden does that take off of our shoulders? It isn't about me. It's not about George. It's not about Harris. It's not, it's about Jesus. And we get to point people to the best person and offer him and be able to point to say there is salvation we know that you're hurt we know that you are a failure so was i so am i i'm still broken i'm still to use all those like that language i'm still all those things but i've got jesus man that's awesome chuck well I think that's our time. You're, uh, yeah. uh, Harris is blessed to have you. Uh, I would love to have you on, on our session. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see you at General Assembly again. I didn't know if you, you'd go again. And so that'll oh, be great. We'll see you in Memphis. In, see you there, uh, brother. At the, at the actual resort. Did you, where'd you stay last year? Because I did see you at, at the hotel. Oh, I, I was in the main hotel, but I was in one yeah. of the other, other oh, ones okay. that was right there. Yeah, because you were there. We were hanging. So, yeah. well, good deal, man. This is this is great. Um, tell the people the name of your church plan again, so they can keep you in prayer. Maybe they'll. Who knows? Maybe the people want to look you up and help uh, contribute to it. But absolutely. but I know you could use the prayers. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, Washita Presbyterian Church. We're in Monroe, Louisiana. Okay, perfect. Well, that's ever, another. <laughs> if you're ever in town, swing by. We'd love to see you. Yes, I don't know if I've ever been to Louisiana, so I will. Oh no, I definitely have. Never mind, uh, oh. but not not as uh, 
Not as a Christian, so. Well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you come back, I'll make you a good gumbo. How's that sound? Okay, that sounds good. I love that. <laughs> Chuck, thanks for being on. We finally made it happen, and uh, this this was great. Uh, this was another episode of Presbyterian Reformed Churchmen. If this is a blessing to you or these conversations uh, seem to be uh, giving you uh, good ideas, encouraging you in the Lord. Share it with other ruling elders and also like it on iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts or our YouTube channel. Thanks again, Chuck. Have a great one. You too.